reason this is important is because some of the words in the Bible actually are used today, but they mean something different. So, looking at you just mean something because you're like, oh, that means that, but it really means something different. And so, essentially, what you have is the people of the book, the people of the Bible, don't read the Bible. They don't have a version that is understandable to them. This is Charisma Connection. I'm Chris Johnson. We have a special guest today calling us from Israel. Shani Ferguson is the Chief Creative Officer at Maoz Israel Ministries. She is a native Israeli-born woman who has raised her five Israeli-born children with her husband, Kobe. And she's also a musician, singer, and songwriter. She co-founded the Fellowship of Artists, an initiative designed to develop and record young Israeli musicians and see the restoration of the role of the Levites in modern-day Israel. So that seems like a very big mission. Thank you, Shani, for being (laughs) with us today on Charisma Connection. Thank Thank you for having me. Well, I understand Maoz Israel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish ministries based in Israel. What does Maoz mean, and how did the ministry start and grow into what it is today? Okay, uh, that's a mouthful. All right, so <laughs> Maoz is the Hebrew word for strength. So if you have been disappointed that up to this point you only knew the word shalom in Hebrew, here's a new word for you, and it's ma'oz, M-A-O-Z. It means strength, and the name came essentially from the scripture of the Lord is my strength, or he's my fortress and my strong power. And my mother first visited Israel in 1959, that goes way back, and uh, she moved to Israel in 1967, right after the Six-Day War, but this was still just 22 years after the Holocaust. And emotions were very raw towards the Nazis and thus towards Christians because they thought, you know, that the Nazis were Christians. But my grandfather, uh, Gordon Lindsay, who founded Christ for the Nations Bible School, he had a revelation about the Jewish people that the Jews must be brought to salvation as Jews, that the new covenant was first and foremost a Jewish covenant. And so... So the approach of trying to get Jews to abandon who they were to receive salvation was kind of a flawed attempt by Christians, uh, you know, at best. Um, So when my mother came to Israel, she came with that vision to see the Jewish people restored as Jews to the God of Israel, the way he had always intended it. So in the early 1970s, um, she, at that point, she'd been in the country for years and she realized that Israel needed like a core of believers, strong, mature believers, because there was just maybe a handful spread throughout the land, not really a community or anything. And, you know, back then they didn't even have internet or anything or cell phones. So just very, um, you know, feeling alone in in that moment. So she uh, flew to the States and was looking for Jewish believers who were mature in their faith and went to encourage them to make Aliyah to Israel. So my dad was one of the people that she met on that trip. And he was in Hollywood and he was busy doing films. And she told him, you're living in exile and you need to come to Israel. So he, she talked him in for uh, to coming for about six months. 
which was over 40 years ago. So they married and together they began Ma'o's in 1976. At the time, I mean, as far as we know, it was the first, if not one of the first, um, first ministries, Messianic Jewish ministries in the country. And really they, they were always thinking, what does Israel need to grow a strong body of believers in Israel? Because if you want to, you know, if you witness to someone, you need to have a, a home to bring them to, right? You can't just say, oh, yeah, it's me and you, and we're going to be the body. You need, that makes sense. you need to have a place to bring them to. And so they always were looking as a ministry, how do we build a strong body of believers? Back to that word strength, ma'oz. So it was real pioneer work because <laughs> mm. uh, they would constantly look out and say, okay, we're going to build a strong body and a strong culture. We need congregations and we need, you know, national conferences once there's enough believers to even have something like that. And we need to be able to help each other, you know, that uh, the believers that are being persecuted and we need to have good worship music in Hebrew. We need faith-based books in Hebrew. So we need to build everything that you in the States or in Western culture are, might be used to. Like, of course, there's a Christian bookstore, and of course, there's a congregation. But all these things didn't exist at the time. And so they would look out and say, hey, this is what we need to build. And they'd go down this checklist and go, you know, check, this is what we need to do. And whenever there was someone else that was able to fill that hole, then they said, great, so that person's doing it, so we can move on to the next thing. And so they were always you know, they're always about building the body. And really because they were here so early in the movement and they were always about helping other believers who were just arriving to, into Israel and they needed to get their feet on the ground and they needed someone who was here and could help them. Most of the ministries that are flourishing in Israel today were at some point helped out by my parents who saw their potential and their passion and they got behind it and got them going. So that's really the most beautiful part of Ma'oz, and one of the reasons I'm so honored and proud to be a part of it is because they've just been involved in so many things across the country. Yes, it sounds like you're really supporting other ministries. You are involved in so many different things. Now, what do you do as chief creative officer? <laughs> My job is to uh, really anything that represents Ma'oz, um, we want it to have a feel of excellence. We want to make sure that, you know, when our, our communications go out, they reflect what we believe our God is, which is excellent, and that it's done well, and that it's done in an honoring way, and that it's creative because we serve a creator. So that's essentially my job. Um, I write a lot of the articles in the newsletter that goes out, give a lot of insight kind of into modern Israel, which is something that, as an Israeli, is really close to my heart. I really want Christian believers worldwide to not just look at Israel as, you know, Israel today or Israel, I mean, I'm sorry, that they won't look at Israel as in, like, ancient Israel where Jesus walked and future, future Israel where some prophetic, you know, the beasts and the witnesses and the trumpets and whatever, like, so it, they will see Israel today and not just see Israel as like a concept for the future. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. In fact, we did a uh, series called Passages here about young people traveling to Israel and learning about it, and I, I learned that it has quite a foodie atmosphere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's definitely modern-day Israel. Yes, <laughs> uh, yes. yes. It's, uh, there's, there's a lot of things that if people 
come here on a trip. In fact, we're doing a tour in April 2021. And I told, uh, you know, we're organizing the tour. And I said, I want people to get the fluid nature of the story that God has in Israel. So there's all this stuff that happened in Bible times. And then there's almost like a pause for 2,000 years. And then it like restarts. And I really want them to experience that because I think if you come to Israel and all you experience is, you know, like, oh, I just felt so close to the Lord and the Bible came alive. And that's great. But that's like first grade. Like we, mm-hmm. if you come here and you don't fall in love with the people and you didn't interact with the people that live here, especially the body of Jewish believers that live here, mm-hmm. you have missed Israel. That's a very good point. So at Maoz Israel, one of your ministries is book publishing, and I know you do that for evangelism, for spiritual growth of Christians, but you're also now focused on translating a particular Bible. Now, why did you choose the narrated Bible as the one to translate? Okay, well, that's a good question. Well, there's several things. First of all, um, the chronolo- it's the narrated Bible in chronological order, and the chronological order of the Bible in Hebrew is something that we don't necessarily get because the way the Bible is ordered, the, the structure of the books, the order of the books is different than in English. So um, having it in chronological order gives it more of a, a fluid experience. That's one. Um, but the most important thing is really that modern Hebrew is different than ancient Hebrew. And really, if anybody has studied English from 600 years ago or even 200 years ago, it's very different. So just picture Hebrew of 2,000 years ago, where it was entirely a dead language and rebirth. It's very different from ancient Hebrew. So there are some passages that you could read storylines and you could kind of make out what's being said, but there's a lot, huge sections that are just too complicated, and so Israelis just don't read it. And so we wanted to get the narrated Bible because it has, um, it has you know, commentary on each page, and in the Hebrew version of the narrated Bible, uh, we have a dictionary that has a translation for some of the words on that page. And the reason this is important is because some of the words in the Bible actually are used today, but they mean something different. And so reading it, you understand something because you're like, oh, that means that, but it really means something different in ancient Hebrew. And so essentially what you have is the people of the book, the people of the Bible, don't read the Bible. They don't have a version that is understandable to them. And it's just it's weird because if you go, let's say, to Africa and you're saying, hey, we're going to translate the Bible into this African dialect and it never has a Bible, and people jump on that because they're like, yes, we want every nation and every tongue to have access to the Bible. But because the Bible is originally in ancient Hebrew, people don't realize that Israelis essentially don't have access to their own book because of the evolution of the language. Hmm. Well, I know in English, even if you go back and you read the King James, there may be words in there that are have different right, meaning. Right. Uh, even if we yeah, understand yeah. Think, the word, but but you're it's even more correct. pronounced in Hebrew. Then it's even worse. Think think Chaucer. Think worse mm. than Shakespeare. Like okay. it's, it's way way out there. Yep. Huh. So what you're doing then is is really critical for the understanding of the modern-day Israeli. Uh, You have an interesting video on your website asking uh, Israelis if they read the Bible. What were your findings there? Right, so it's the same same 
thing that we're 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 saying here is that Israelis don't read it because largely the 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 belief that you know I grew up in an Israeli secular school, so I'm aware of what the culture um, believes here, even if I don't agree. You know, I learned that the disciples stole the body when I was in junior high because mm-hmm. we learned about you know history in Israel. The disciples stole the body, and then they started a religion called Christianity and whatnot. But um, they is, Jews believe that the rabbis are the only ones that can understand the scriptures, and it, that's only reinforced by the fact that you're dealing with ancient Hebrew. So you have the learned people, the rabbis, who tell them, you don't understand, let me explain to you. And their explanations are often incredibly complicated and designed to make the average Israeli dependent on them for the understanding of scripture which is a terrible, terrible thing. You saw in the Catholic Church that you had that, this tendency for the elite to shut out any connection with God and put themselves as this mediator. And so even if you show Isaiah 52 and 53 to an Israeli, where it's clearly, clearly speaking of a Messiah who's going to suffer and all that, they'll look at it and say, oh my goodness, this is, this is so clearly, in fact, my mother made a, a movie back in the 50s, or no, in the 60s, and got to show it to Golda Meir, which was our first woman prime minister. And mm-hmm. she had a viewing for Golda Meir, and she got to sit and speak with her and share the gospel with her. Mm-hmm. And at one point, Golda said, so in this thing where it was basically, you know, it was the vision of the dry bones, that whole story, and my mom had scripture throughout. She said, what are the scriptures in here in this movie that are from the New Testament and which of the scriptures are from the Old Testament? And my mom said they are all from the Old Testament, but they're so obvious. And she said, she's like, it's ta- Golda said it's talking about Jesus. That is 100% talking about Jesus. It was so clear that she actually thought it was New Testament scriptures. How about that? But of course. At some point, someone chimed in, oh, this is just, you know, the rabbis, we need to talk to the rabbis, and, you know, this is uh, idol worship. And, you know, they throw things in there, and so the average Israeli, even if their mind and their eyes are telling them something, they will defer to the rabbi who tells them they don't understand. Hmm, very interesting. So I understand this translation will take you three years to complete. How much does it cost to invest in this project? Well, um, we are, in fact, in the third year of Mm -hmm. this project, and um, it's going to be finished the end of 2020, so we're beginning the third year now. Mm -hmm. And it costs a half a million dollars to um, do the translation because you can't just get, it's the Bible, so you can't just get your little podunk translators from down (laughs) the street. You have to get people who are studied and scholars, and we've partnered with the Bible Society, so we sit in long meetings trying to work out different theological ways to translate and make sure that it's across the board as as close to the scriptures as as, um, possible, but it's half a million dollars, which we just finished raising this month, we got right. the total half a million. Excellent. And it was it's the biggest project we've uh, taken on. And all we have left now is the printing. So we're $30,000 now for printing the Bibles because, of, again, uh, we're going to print about 5,000 of them. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's, a, it's an incredible project. It's definitely the biggest project we've taken on, and it's definitely one that is um, <laughs> in for the history books that will 
impact, we believe, generations from now. I'm Should sure. the Lord tarry. So how will you get the word out about this Bible once it's available? And, and uh, of course, you said your timeline for completion is the end of 2020. Right. Um, so it's funny because, as I was saying, in Israel, we don't have the infrastructure that is uh, is in your average uh, nation that has a, a Christian culture. But we do have some uh, Bible bookstores, very mm-hmm. small, just a... a but we have some of those. It's going to be available on Amazon. Uh, we'll have the Maus store. So we're going to make it um, as available as possible. We also have, uh, you know, book racks that we have in different congregations because we've translated over 150 books into Hebrew, and we make those available in the congregation. So when Israelis go to their local congregations, they can purchase it right there because we don't have, you know, the options of, of bookstores and the like. So... We are going to shout it from the rooftops, and um, the scholarship in this is going to open so many doors because you're going to have people who are learned, who are willing to think for themselves, look at the stuff for themselves, and, and come to the same conclusions that we have, which is the New Testament is a Jewish covenant that God made with the Jewish people. He promised he was going to do it, and then he did it, and here we are. Mm-hmm. So as we conclude, Shani, is there anything you would like our listeners to really take away from this interview? Well, I really hope that your listeners take to heart the reality of what is happening in Israel today and the importance of what is happening in Israel today. Israel has always been this place that Amazing things happened, and when they happened here, they spread to the world. So, you know, when the Holy Spirit came, he came here. When Yeshua came to earth, he came here. When God gave us the scriptures, they came from Zion. And so we believe that Israel is really a spiritual well that the church should tap into and, and realize that this is a very, very important part of God's story, and it is the very evidence that their belief and their relationship with God is real, and that he will stick with them just like he stuck with Israel. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing. So how can people learn more about Maoz Israel? Well, we have a website called maozisrael.org, and the best way to learn uh, about Israel is to sign up for our free uh, Maoz Israel report. It, my mother's been writing it for over 40 years, wow. giving insight, prophetic insight, political um personal. We have all sorts of stories of people's lives that are changed, Arab ministry, worship. There's just so much um, that we share from Israel about modern Israel and what God is doing here. So mozisrael.org, sign up. We send it to email. We can send it via snail mail for those of you who really, really love to get a physical copy. But this is stories from Israel by Israelis in your inbox and really, really want... um, people to be connected with with Israeli believers. That's really our heart. Excellent. And now um, perhaps you could introduce people to the Fellowship of Artists, too. Is there a particular website for that? Um, right now we are working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so on at maozisrael.org, there is a, a music section, um, but we are working on a Fellowship of Artists website because our heart is to connect worship leaders from all over the world with the worshipers and the musicians that we have here in the country. 
we have a recording studio, so a lot of times people will come on a tour here, and then they'll take an extra day and come and record a song in the city of worship, which seems very appropriate. I think if King David were alive today, he would have a recording studio too, and so <laughs> that's what we're doing. He had his scribes, and we have our recording studio, but we really believe that um, that God is doing something very significant. When he gave us this vision, I don't have time to share it, but just like the the reality that the restoration of the Levites is a significant part in the spiritual restoration of Israel, because it was always an important part of Israel's spiritual life, even in the scriptures. So it's an important part that that needs to happen today. And when the church realizes this, and they get on board, and we see the Levites restored to their place in scripture, it created revival, and today we believe it's going to bring about revival as well. Hmm. And I'd also recommend that people go and watch some of your music videos, which are really creative and <laughs> beautiful music, really fascinating. I originally only ever wrote songs in Hebrew, and then we had some people say, we love your music, but we don't know what you're saying. So we translated some of the songs from Hebrew into English, and we wrote some in English. That's really to kind of give a worshipful perspective from Israel. I think, you know, in, in Christianity and Christian worship, you have this intimacy with Jesus, but in Jewish worship, you have this grandness of God, and the combination of the two is very powerful, and so that's what I hope people experience when they hear my music as well. Love it. Shani Ferguson, thanks so much for being with us to share with us the ministry of Maoz Israel and this important narrated Bible project, and we certainly appreciate it, and Hope that people will uh, go and check out some of those videos and also go and check out maozisrael.org. Thanks for being with us today. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. I'm Chris Johnson. Listeners, thanks to you for spending a little time with us here on Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.